Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the That Sounds Fun podcast. I am your host, Annie F. Downs, and I am so excited to be with you today. Listen, y'all know my life. We have the That Sounds Fun weekend coming up in just like 10 days, eight days from when you hear this. And I have a book due like now. It was actually due Friday. I'm almost done. I Hopefully, by the time you hear this, I'll have turned a first draft into my agent. So um, uh, it is a crazy life. And as you'll hear, my friend Tyler Reagan and I talk about, I preached at my church for the first time last Sunday. It has just been a busy little July. And I am grateful. Listen, there are a lot of things that would be a lot less fun to do with my time. So I am really thankful and I'm tired, but that's okay. That's okay. That's part of the deal. Hey, just a reminder in the background is our friend Ellie Holcomb. Her album Red Sea Road is one of my favorites. I hope you have it by now. Before we get into the podcast, I just do want to let you know that we have a handful of tickets left for the That Sounds Fun Weekend coming up July 28th through 30th. You can go to thatsoundsfunweekend.com. And you will um, get all the info and the tickets and et cetera. We're going to have a great time. But hurry and buy your ticket because we're getting the swag bags together this week. And we don't want to forget yours. So hurry and do that. It has been a really special couple of weeks in my life as some old friends have kind of circled back around, including my new pastor at Crosspoint, Kevin Queen. And so it just feels fitting that on the podcast today is another old friend from that very same time period when we were all in college together at the University of Georgia. Tyler Reagan runs Catalyst, which is a leadership conference and leadership organization based in Atlanta. And I have loved being his friend for 20 years. We have laughed a ton over the years. We've gone to Georgia games. I went to his wedding. He and his wife, Carrie, are just really dear to me. And so I was really excited to have him on the podcast, especially because he has a book due next week as well that I think you're going to love hearing about. And Catalyst in Atlanta is coming up October 5th and 6th. And I'll go ahead and spoil it. If you are interested in going, there is a code just for us. If you use the word FUN, F-U-N, which you know is what the F stands for in Annie F. Downs, the tickets for Catalyst are only $1.99 until October 5th. So you go to catalystleader.com for that. So here is my conversation with Tyler, who he says I didn't tell him we started recording, but I swear I did. I promise I told him. So the beginning is genuinely us being pals, and then it continues. But you're getting us, as we really are, catching up here on the That Sounds Fun podcast. So here is my conversation with Tyler Reagan. Okay, let's start with talking about that you drink Coke. Like you just said, your assistant brought you a new bunch of Cokes. Do you keep Cokes in your office? Well, I do now because I'm writing a freaking book that's due in 12 days. Oh, tell me about (sighs) it. I mean, how many, tell me what you've done with the rest of your life to make space to write a book. I don't, I've done nothing. I've done nothing. (laughs) Literally, I'm writing from like 5.30 to 8 and then again at night. In the morning or at night? Yeah, in the both. Um, oh my gosh! And then now it's the problem. This is like it's like school all over again, though. Like I literally do everything in the end anyway. Oh, so, Tyler, that is what I tell people all the time: is that being an author is like having homework every day for the rest of my that's life. That's right. So the whole last six months, I've known this is here, and it feels like school because you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I got. But my personality is one. I'm like, yeah, I got three months. I got two months. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm sitting, I finished chapter 11 today. I basically got about eight chapters I haven't even started yet. Uh, and it's due in 13 days. But I, I feel pretty confident about that. A chapter a day, we could do this. 
Yeah. I mean, you might be able to do that. I believe in you. I Mine is due four days ago. So oh, how yeah? about that? And this is, yeah, it, but this is like round Friday. three for year four. Come on. Uh, six, Tyler, six. Stop it. You're kidding. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, it's round six. Well, I know the but, two. Yeah, so let's all be brave and looking oh, for lovelier, my two yes, for adults. But you did the kids ones. And then I did the, teen, the students. Teen. Yeah, 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 that's sorry. exactly right. I did those first, and so those right, three were first, and then yeah, huh. that's right. I'm not a fan. Old hat, Andy Downs. Everything. This is like this is like <laughs> I'm the rookie over here, just trying to keep my life in. No, order. no, no. It's the. Tr- I mean, but you, to be fair, you have wife, two kids, house, yard, golf, and your job, and you're trying to write a book. I literally write a book. Yeah. So it's uh, it's but but you know the good thing is, is I've taught a lot of this stuff for f- ten years. Yeah. It's just finally getting it down. And I know that, you know, August 1st is the first manuscript draft due. And I talked to ed- my editor yesterday and he's like, I said, just tell me what you want specifically so I make sure I get it, you know, all those kind of things. So, and I've got two people on my team helping edit grammar and stuff like that. And so we'll oh, get that's it. Brilliant. We'll get What's it done. the book about? Can you tell us anything? Yeah, it's called um, The Life-Giving Leader, Learning okay. to Lead from Your Truest Self. And so the, the biggest idea is that uh, life-giving leaders, that life flows from them. It's not required for them in leadership. And then I feel like the most life-giving leaders have learned who they are and how God made them, and their calling is connected to that, and the way they lead is connected to that. So the second half of the book is really around the process of kind of landing the identity piece of that to be yourself, to lead from your truest self. So Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty brilliant, bud. Mm, we'll see. I'm kind of into that. Every I mean, time. I, I, only the first 12 <laughs> chapters are done, so I can't really speak to the whole and thing. And they're but. really good, Annie. Really good. <laughs> hey, guess what? I bet most people don't finish, don't get past 12 chapters in my book. Yeah. So I hope they'll finish. Somebody did tell sure me. They're people. like, don't worry about the last five chapters. <laughs> Nobody gets there anyway. Isn't that awful? I that ruins my life because I work so hard I know. to make it feel like one piece of art. And right. the idea that people quit in the middle makes me want to die a thousand yeah, times. I hate those people. Oh, oh my gosh, kidding. I hate them personally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the other thing you keep in your office is a, like a ceramic boat of candy. Yeah, how'd you know about that? You put it on your Instagram story. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that a while ago. Yeah, that's my little... Um, so I've always been passionate about making sure I'm approachable and yeah. that people feel like they can come and go. or like I mean, obviously, within reason, but I just found out about a year ago how much this group loves chocolate. Like, they just lose their... And Twix specifically. So we literally, we just put it out today. It should be another experiment. We put in two full bags of Twix, me and Anna, and I will bet you by end of day tomorrow they're gone. That's incredible. How many people are do you have at Catalyst that are eating through that amount of candy? 25. I mean, I could do it. Yeah, 25. 25. Oh, yeah, no kidding. And it's just sitting on your desk, so they just walk in and out? Yep. If the door is closed, they don't come in. Okay, I was about to say, is it like... No, because when you're free for all. Yeah, when you're the boss, you don't you don't come into the boss's office. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when the doors closed, they don't come in. But if it's open, come so on. So is in. that your like normal work day? As you sit, if if you're not in a meeting, like if you're not doing this right now, the doors open of your office. No, I wouldn't say that completely. I still, I'm so lack focus, as you well know, that if I don't close it some, I will I will not accomplish anything whatsoever. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm the same way. I have to like, but for me, because we have people who work in two other cities and then there's me and a girl here, it's, it's a slack. I have to like log off of slack and be like, I'm so sorry for the next six hours. You have to sort it out. (laughs) 
<laughs> if there's an emergency, text me. Otherwise, just fill up my Slack channels, and I'll get to it tomorrow first yeah. thing if I can. You know. How, how did Sunday go? Oh, man, getting to preach at Crosspoint. It was pretty rad. It, you know, it was one of those towers that just felt like, and we're, I want us to talk about this, but it just felt really special. That's just it, like, I could tell it felt special. Yeah, it felt special to me. It felt special in the room, I think. Um, I think it was special for Kevin, our new pastor, who we are both friends with for years. And, yeah, it just um, – I'm a little bit out of words, not like I've said them all, but as in I I still can't really put my words around what it meant to get to. I mean, Kevin is not our savior, but I certainly felt like John the Baptist, (laughs) you know, like to kind of go like, hey, listen, church, I've been with you for six years and I'm telling you, we can trust this guy. I've known him for 20 you know? So, um, yeah, it was just really special. And, and to get to preach at your home church is a really scary thing. I had a couple of my other people that I care about that kind of spoke into the talk. And I said, I'm so scared to teach at my home church. And one of my friends said, yeah, the home church, the hometown is really scary, but also it's really a beautiful thing and it's a real special opportunity. So that's how it felt. It felt like a real special opportunity. That's cool. And then Kevin was there, which is even cool. And then Kevin was there. Isn't that rad? Okay. So when did you meet Kevin? Are we recording night now right now? Are you still rolling? Yes. Oh, see, I didn't know we were straight into it. I was just, I said we were going. I didn't know. I'll just catch it (laughs) up. This is fantastic. (laughs) Sorry. This is literally what all the podcasts sound like. Cause I only have my friends on. So it's literally just like me talking to my friends. (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say we were going. I don't think I said too many cuss words. That's the good news. Uh, (laughs) uh, Kevin and I have known each other about the same time. We actually led a Bible study together at Wesley there back in the day. Did you? Um, Okay. So for for our friends that are listening, Kevin See, I didn't know they were listening. Now I'm all engaged. Here we go. Oh my gosh! I'm picking you, you up to speed. Before. Thank you. You're so funny. Um, Kevin Tyler and I all went to the University of Georgia. Luckily, Go dogs! God saw it fit to take us to the what best university. What a gift! What a gift! And just think, and we didn't have to wear like yellow and purple. Thank or, you. Like, no orange. Red and, and black, blue. baby. Let's go. Red and black. And we all were involved in the same campus ministry called the Wesley Foundation. So I met Tyler and Kevin in 1998. So when you were you and Kevin leading a cell group together? As students or when you were an intern? Students. And um, I was a senior, he was a junior, or it might have been I was interning and he was a senior. I don't know. But uh, we definitely had a good a good time together, just like working away at it. And uh, I, I learned a lot from that guy. I, he's just got genuinely a great heart. And so yeah. I, I loved working with him. And we I remember one of my favorite stories was he went to um, – we went on the ski trip, like a winter retreat where our cell group, like our leader, we went up with these kids and did this thing. And uh, yeah. he just, the way he related. Where did y'all go ski from Athens? It was like Winter North Park Carolina? or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of those spots. <laughs> so I'd be like, they ought to go to Colorado. Yeah, we just basically we went up on a hill. We didn't even have that kind of money yeah, back you, then. No, you just go up on a hill and slide down. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, <laughs> we call it skiing on the east. And he, that's right. um, But the way he interacted with people on the bus the way he carries himself. And then I took him two years ago, Annie, he went with me on a compassion trip to Peru. We got to see Machu Picchu together. And, and we, it was the first time in a while we had caught up. And, and I just, I genuinely love him, his character, the way he carries himself. And he is going to be such a gift to Nashville. And uh, to hear his, we had breakfast a few weeks ago and he told me the whole story. I mean, God was doing stuff in him way before anybody in Crosspoint even knew his name. Right, and, uh, except me. So, it's well, maybe I knew you, his name. Maybe I knew, knew his, his name. name. That's all I'm saying. That's right. <laughs> That's so, all I'm claiming. I knew yeah, his name. Yeah, so it's I'm so excited for you guys. It's gonna be great. 
Yeah, me too. He is actually on the podcast next week. Next week. So it's going downhill. Yeah, so that whole story, start to finish. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That whole story, start to finish, is going to be on our podcast next week. I love it. Honestly, I said So are you going to tell him that he's starting to record, or are you just going to, like, throw it? You're going to mess with him, too. I'm just going to mess with him. Yeah, I'm going to ask him the real personal stuff before I tell him we're recording. But also for him, I just wanted him to have a place where he could long form tell the story and have it forever. You know, and so I was like, dude, just come in the studio, just do it. I mean, people will, it's it's such an unbelievable God story. Yeah, yeah. And you know what, Annie, <laughs> you know? I think even you and I talking today is a little bit of that God story too. Not Kevin's necessarily, but I was writing about it as I'm finishing this book and writing about how there are, our season at Wesley, you know, the number of uh, men and women that are in full-time ministry doing things for the kingdom, pretty pretty amazing things, you know. Ed, that came through that little season that we were there together is is shocking to me. It still is yeah. shocking to me. So it's it's a cool story for all of us involved, you know. Oh, I I mean, one of the things I posted I think Sunday night after church was about Tom and Melissa Tanner who led our ministry and just going like their names are not known widely outside of us and our people, but he they are the parents to generations of believers. And it's, I mean, and for every person, Kevin and I talked about this the other day, for every person like you or a me that have a Twitter following or whatever that have like visible ministry, there are hundreds that are not known, not seen that I will be holding the door for in heaven. Yeah. That are doing way, way incredibly impactful work. Um, in other countries, in their home churches. I mean, I think of some of our friends who have been pastors for 20 years and have been in the same church teaching every Sunday. Man, dude, I'll tell you what I learned on Sunday. Teaching every week to the same crowd, that is hard. I mean, I guess I've done Sunday mornings before for our friend Adam Weber out in Embrace. And, you know, I've done some Sunday mornings before, but it is a thing when it's your home church and you have to make fresh content, hopefully from God every week, and and you don't you get like three Sundays off a year. Yeah, but you know that Annie, there's grace too when you're the pastor of a church because they get to know you, and you're not having every week to kind of redo that in a sense. Uh, Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I remember Andy Stanley used to talk about, uh, you know, because part of his design and his messages is this beginning part, which is that we're all in this together. So you do an illustration to kind of prove that and yeah. gain credibility with the crowd. But when you've been there a certain amount of time, you don't have to. That's a whole piece you really don't have to do anymore. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, because so, our old pastor didn't ever—I mean, he never entertained us at the beginning. It was like, glad you guys are here. Let's get into it, you know. And those are the podcasts I listen to where they kind of go like, thank you guys for being here. We're going to be in Jeremiah. Yeah, and that's and a style—some of that style, but it's it's both. It's like, you know, when I've earned the credibility, I can just start talking. I don't have to explain who I am anymore, you know? Yeah. So, uh, but it is hard. I can't imagine. I'm with you. Like every time I preach on a Sunday, it's like three services. Oh my gosh. Serious. I can't stand straight. That's right. Listen, try it in high heels, brother. Were you toast? Oh man. (laughs) I'm telling you yesterday. So today we're, this will release on Thursday, but you and I are chatting on Tuesday. Um, I taught Sunday, Monday, yesterday. I thought my book is due this. Like I really, really have to turn it in this week. I was like, I'll lay down for 30 minutes this afternoon. And I slept for hours. I mean, just hours. You actually just also, woke up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not awake yet. Also, ours had a large emotional. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. It wasn't a normal Sunday. Because that was the first time they've met Kevin in person, right? And me. It, what? 
Yeah, it's my first Sunday ever teaching on stage. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Wow, that's so a lot. It's, right. So it's my first Sunday. It's the first female on a cross point stage, not on a Mother's Day. Are you serious? And yep. And Come on, girl. Kevin there for the first time. So there was a ton of movement under the water, you know? And so and and Kevin and I were both in that spiritually of like, there's a lot moving here. And so I think that's probably what made me more tired versus the 25 minutes on stage three times. And, you know, another great pastor that we went to Wesley with came with Kevin named David Walters. Oh, yeah. And that was super fun to have him there, too, just to have another, you know, someone yeah, else cool. that we went, man, we, we've we done this for 20 years. I like, know. I can't talk about it. We've been each other for 20 years, <laughs> yeah. right? That's crazy. It's just amazing. I, when you think of college ministries now, like if you could say something to people that are investing in college students right now, based on what we know about what has come of us after 20 years. Sure. What, what would, would you be? say to them? Yeah. I love, that's probably still my favorite age to talk to. Really? And, Have you gotten to do Wesley before? Oh, no, no, I haven't done Wesley. Well, they, I was supposed to do the, the um, fundraiser dinner one night and they had promoted it and everything. And then we ended up having to add an event that night that oh, was necessary shoot. for Catalyst. And it was one of yeah. those like, Sorry. So they, I just, right. they won't even talk to me anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> but, so what were you saying? You were saying your, the reason they're your favorite groups to talk to. The, the reason I love college students in general, especially with my love for leadership, is it is so instantly practical for them. And they, there's like lights going on because they're learning so much theory and so much, you know, they're studying so many random subjects and, and they're all good and they go to the education. But when you sit in front of them and you go, look, Right now, you're not in charge of something, but to be prepared to be in charge of something, you got to work on your character today. Like, this is something you can do today. And so, and I don't know that, you know, I loved Wesley. I mean, clearly, it changed my life. We didn't talk like that very much. It was very much a spiritual thing, which is what I think most of us were attracted to, what we needed. Um, But if you combine some of those things, you know, and, and start going, hey, this is, in my opinion, this is a very spiritual exercise in how you lead people, uh, how you lead others around you. So I, to me, I man, and so if I was leading a campus ministry, one, I would obviously talk about leadership, but two, you just got to recognize, I mean, this, that season to me is one of the most important seasons of a person's life. If you can get some stuff clarified with your relationship with God, but also with others, I remember Tom sitting down with me and, and my wife now, we celebrate 16 years together and our wedding. We've been married 16 years next month. And uh, I remember your wedding. I was there. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember me breaking up with her twice too. So there's like, I do actually. <laughs> no, nobody <laughs> talked to me during that season. But I remember when I graduated Tom's or when I was finishing intern, he, he pulled me aside and I appreciated this. You know, we had talked about it. And he said, you know, he told me the things that he thought I was good at. And then he just looked at me and said, Oh, and by the way, you got to get your relational stuff together. And because he knew and he, Carrie was really dear to him as well. And but for, for a pastor to spend even just two minutes and telling me that, I'll never forget it. And I started thinking about it and it took me a little while to come back around on it. And, and to God's faithfulness, he, he allowed her to trust me again, which was amazing. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, I think there's so many things that you can do to invest in the lives of leaders. Um, as, as a college student. So, so to me, it's such an incredible season. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like the truth is most of our friends who are listening probably live in a town where there is a college, whether it's tiny or huge. You know, like here in Nashville, we have Vanderbilt, Belmont, Lipscomb, Trevecca. I mean, we have them all over the place. And I just want to go like, just have one over for dinner. 
Just meet one. You don't need to have, we're not, no one is asking you to be your, the campus pastor at your church for college students. But if you're sitting in a church on a Sunday morning, there's probably a college student in town who needs someone to sit with. But I'm, I'm not here to guilt anybody, you, me, or the next person. But I have a real strong feelings about college I students. I can because, tell. I love it. But it's, right? well, it's, it's, it's so I, important yes. to us. Yes. I mean, I, I can't imagine where I'd be if I wouldn't have had those, what ended up being five years, because I had four years as a student, one year as an intern, those five years being invested in and being asked to turn around and make followers of Christ who became leaders that made followers of Christ, right? Like make, disciples making disciples was always what we were taught. And so I, um, I'm really passionate about helping college students because I feel like if, if they turn 22 and have like at least kind of know the river they want to swim down, they stay in it for the rest of their lives. They may change careers. They may change other things. But as far as like, are they in faith or out of faith? Right. I'd like to see yeah. them. Yeah, it was, a, it was a radical season. I don't know if you remember, but Melissa, Tom's wife, was given a dream during the time we were there. And it was just this picture of this black, like dark globe and all these little lights. And she just knew that what it was is through what they were doing, it was going to be these lights all over the world of men and women who were impacting the world because of them. And uh, I, I think they even have a painting of it. And, and every time we talk to them, you can just see that shine in their eyes of how grateful they are. They have been to get to be a part of it. So it's, it, yeah. it's really pretty special. I mean, that, so put all of that in a bottle, and that's what I drank Sunday morning before. Oh, my reached, gosh. I know. Right? That's crazy. <laughs> right? I mean, like, I was crying during the band warming up at 730. I'm sure. Now, you, you like, wouldn't call yourself oh an emotional gosh. person, would you? Well, <laughs> would I? I would say that I feel things. Just your love for glitter alone. Oh, makes right. me cry. Okay. Here, yeah, you're lucky I don't live in your house. <laughs> oh my right? gosh, your sons would not feel that. No. Yeah, they would not be feeling that. If I get um, a card yeah. with glitter on it, I'm out. Oh, I no, shoot, I should have said that, that. buddy. That's <laughs> <laughs> everything I needed to know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just it, so all of that. It just makes me so grateful for their investment in us, and it made it makes Kevin Queen being my pastor. It, it just kind of feels a little bit like a miracle to me. Yeah. I think it is yeah. one. Yeah. For them to give up so much in Atlanta and yeah. come here. And yeah, I know. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay. So when did you take over at Catalyst? Tell me what you did between, like you didn't start right at Catalyst after college. Did oh, you? no, I have not been here 20 years for sure. Yeah. Uh, I've been here about five now, full time. Um, no, I, when I finished at Wesley, I went to, um, I was a youth pastor in an Episcopal church for two years in Monroe. Okay. Georgia. Did y'all still live in Athens or did y'all live in Maryland? Oh, there was no y'all at that point. That was a oh. that was T-Bone all by himself yeah. in, <laughs> in Monroe. <laughs> Carrie and I, that was the season when we were broken up. And then Got it. about six, seven months into it is when God opened my eyes and the scales fell from my eyes and I realized yeah. what was in front of me. And uh, so anyway, we, we had gotten back together during that time. And then we ended up being engaged while I was there and got married in um August of 2001, and then we went off to seminary. Carrie was already a flight attendant with Delta in Boston, based out of Boston. Oh, that's why when they all lived in Boston, yep. yes. We did and a fall break up there and went and stayed at their house. Oh, it's the best, yeah. It was so, so fun. She, she, was, uh, she loved it, and I found a school, Gordon-Conwell, up there that I wanted yeah. to go to. and So I got an MDiv while I was there, and it was a pretty interesting season. I remember sitting at the end of that season going, God, I, or even telling Carrie, I was like, I've got all these random experiences and, and 
and talents or, you know, gifts or whatever, I don't even know what in the world I'm going to do with all these. So like yeah. I was working in the sound studio at seminary and recording stuff, but then and my, my degree from Georgia was around technology education. So production and all the video and all these different things. And then I was, but I was a worship leader at times and then I like to teach. So I would lead worship on Tuesdays in the chapel and run sound on Wednesdays. There's just kind of this thing I like to do. And, and, uh, Lord just through, uh, Nine months of not really having a job after I graduated, turning down some jobs, just kind of like, what's going on? Working with our friend Steve Hambrick's dad at a boat shop for a while. Uh, just kind of oh, wow. like- in Gainesville? Yeah, just kind of like, God, I don't know what's going on here. And um, he ended up opening a door uh, for this position called service programming at a new um, church plant of North Point in Athens. And if, if you have an opportunity to go back to the city you love and put a church that you know the city needs, Man, it was like a no-brainer. And on top of that, it was a dream job. It was what it's where all those things would go together is producing events, producing Sundays, you know, teaching, doing production, music, just kind of managing all that. And I uh, was there for about a year and a half and then uh, moved on to one of the North Point campuses called Brownsbridge as we opened that. So it was one of the campuses right in the city or we're, we're north of the city. But and then I, did, I was there for about seven and a half years. So yeah, love. I see you talk a lot about Brownsbridge a yep. lot. I didn't realize that was such a home church for you, but that makes sense. Still is. We still go there. We've been there 11, ah, yeah. 11 years now, but um, or 12. Gosh, I don't know. But really, that was a very formidable time because, one, um, I really cut my teeth on producing events there because I had one every Sunday, and I, I, I felt like I got good at it. And, and really, in that space, I had become kind of one of the go-to producers. I'd do our church you know, drive, which is the big North Point Leadership Conference, just different things. And then Catalyst called and said, hey, would you come over and produce our events? Uh, and it was a contract thing just to produce the three big events. And I was like, yeah, we'll give it a shot. I still have a full-time job, all that stuff. And, and I ended up producing for a couple of years. And then uh, Brad Lominick, my predecessor, called and said, hey, would you be willing to come full-time and be our creative director and really, you know, do a lot of staff development, leadership stuff, and, and then also, you know, obviously produce events. And so yeah. Did that, and a year later, I took over as the executive director, and then we've kind of gone through some pretty massive stuff over the last year, and now we're rocking and rolling. So it's been yeah. a it's been quite the journey, to say the least. Can you kind of put a words around why the church needs Catalyst? Yeah, I thought you were going to ask me to put words around why I'm so mature now, but I'll do that another. Oh my time. gosh, we will do. Of course, yeah, I'll do that. Because that is. How are you so grown up these that's days? That's true. Tyler? That's true. The the adulting <laughs> that I do that's is how. pretty spectacular. I mean, literally, Annie, this morning I was writing from six a.m. to eight. I bet in the middle of that I did fifty other things. So that's how mature. Oh, I am. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm oh, gifted. I'm, sure. I'm gifted. I I have to like literally quit the internet when I'm writing. Oh, I, I was pulling I stuff know. off my walls in my office. Like I'm like, what is oh, wrong with me? Anyway. I know. Do you know my friend Angie Smith always says, um, she always says that she knows the most about the world when she has a book. That's too. right. Oh, well, I'm learning this. <laughs> this is first time for me, so I'm learning. But, yeah. you know, here's, here's what I believe is that I believe that um, how we lead affects people's faith. And the reason I believe that is I know very few men and women who have walked away from Jesus because of Jesus. I know a lot of men and women who have walked away from Jesus because those who represent Jesus. And that's a leadership problem is what that is. And that's really a lot of what I'm trying to write about. Because to me, we as believers, whether you're in the marketplace, the church, the nonprofit space, have to understand the divine directive of how we steward our influence. And that's, that. you know, Maxwell always said that uh, leadership is influence. And I just say leadership is just how are you stewarding your influence? That little circle, big circle, whatever circle it is, 
you know, like the guys we were talking about that have been at their church faithfully for 20 years. Their, yeah. their sphere might look small, but the way they've stewarded that influence has been spectacular and, yeah. and faithful. And so that's why catalysts exist, is we want to make sure that we leave the church better than we found it. And I think a huge piece of that is to make sure that we have raised up leaders who understand the importance and the power of good leadership. And, you know, there's so many men and women that go through school. They get an MDiv like I did, and they took 30 classes on exegesis and hermeneutics and preaching and Greek and Hebrew and zero on leadership. And then they show up and all of a sudden they got to run a board meeting or a budget That's meeting. That's right. That's right. They're also running a company. They have no idea what they're doing because you're, and yeah. they're like, I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm like, yeah, 20% of the time. What are you doing the other 80% of the time? Because if you preach on Sunday the best message ever and it does not match your Monday through Friday, that's not going to work. Yeah, It's not going to work. So, so that's a lot of what we're trying to do is really just remind people and give them the tools to lead well, you know? So historically, Catalyst is very male-centric, right? Yeah. And so, In terms like when of I've attended, presenters and, or attendance. Attending, yeah, yeah. attending. When I've attended, it's been really male-centric, and that's because as as it is, there's the I mean, vast majority of lead pastors at churches are male. How do you see a difference in how you train women and men, or is there no difference, or what do you think women need to hear about leadership that men are don't always need to hear, or what what's the difference there? That was almost a question, Annie. But uh... I, <laughs> I did a lot of prep work. And this is this is the thing. I'm just talking to my friend Tyler exactly. who talks about leadership. Exactly. Right? So Here, here's what I would I'm like, say. Tyler, what do women need to know that That's we don't right. know about leading well, in churches? And it's there obvious it you haven't been in a little while because. It, we're at about 40, 60, 40 now percent. Oh, of, that's awesome. Of yeah, I probably, my last catalyst that I was at was uh, 12, maybe. Unacceptable. So, yeah, five years. I know, sorry. I, I've Let's been leading. You haven't even been since I've been leading this thing. What? Unacceptable. I know. Yeah, what, okay, we'll deal with that another this year time. in Atlanta? Yeah, October 5th and 6th. You got to come. Okay. Just come. We're gonna. There's gonna be a bunch of Nashville folks. You're all your little peeps. Yeah. Come hang out with them, and then you get your Atlanta there. peeps right. there. See, that's right. All right. So, and so we 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 are very intentional over the last. I mean, even longer than I've been here, but you know, six, seven, eight years of making sure that our lineup, speaker lineups, and the different things that we do are trying to be as as diverse as we can. And here's the deal. I'll, to answer your long question, leadership is leadership. Right. But each gender, each. Uh, race group, each denomination has different issues in leadership that they have to address. Right. Does that make sense? And so yeah. some of the things that, that women deal with in, in leadership is different than what, we, what I deal with in leadership as a man. Um, I know one of our heartbeats, if I'm completely honest, is to make women in leadership normative. I, I don't even want it to be a conversation anymore of who's who. Two out of my entire, my four for leadership, I guess. Two of my key leaders at this organization are women, and they are incredible leaders. To even go a little further than that, I have to make sure that they're being equipped, not only just in a leadership perspective as a whole, but also specific to what some of the issues are they deal with. And so one example is uh, Fran Lamatina has been my executive coach for the last, uh, gosh, 10 years. Fran was one of the first women hired uh, at, in, um, this male predominant industry, she had her MBA, like she was really cutting edge. Cause, um, and, and now she's a coach. She's been a coach for a long time. Well, she has so much insight for my two female executives that I will never have because I'm not a woman in leadership. Um, 
And, you know, one of the reasons we partnered with, with Jenny Allen and IF for the last few years is because, and I said this to Jenny, I said, Jenny, I completely think we have plenty to offer women in leadership from a leadership perspective. But I need somebody who can speak to women in leadership as a woman in leadership. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I do I do think that, and I think I think that across the board. So, I mean, Annie, we cannot act naive that there are not still some issues with gender bias and just different things that um, that women have to deal with that men don't. And, and it's vice versa. There's things it's probably vice that, versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I men totally that so. men have to deal with that women don't and whatever. At the end of the day, that's because we're different. Dude, I've been married to Carrie for 16 years. There has not been one time in 16 years that I've even remotely thought she was similar to me as a man. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I'm completely convinced God did it that way. He slows yeah. everything down and sometimes he speeds things up based on who's doing what. You know, I mean, it's like in, in life, you just kind of, there's a push and pull because we're very different. We come at life differently. And so I think, I think one of the keys, though, is how do you create balance within your workforce, within your team, to really do that across the board and make sure that you guys, that they're being heard, that you're being heard, and that you guys are kind of balancing each other out a little bit. Yeah, I'm a real believer that uh, the best-led people groups are men and women led by men and women. People need father voices and they need mothering voices. And so our friend Sam Collier, Sam Collier and I had a long chat about the importance of mothering voices in churches. And, you know, and it's not about getting a job. It's not about having a title. It's about, is there a mothering voice? Is there a female voice being given a place to speak into the places in the hearts of the people that need a female voice to speak? Who's your favorite female speaker you've had come to Catalyst? Uh, oh, man. Um, I Gosh, there's so many, Annie. I'm serious. Like, And, and I... I'll tell you, most of my teeth, sometimes I feel like I run a sorority over here sometimes because I think <laughs> 60, probably 65% of my team is women. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a sorority. that's what it feels like. <laughs> I love it, though. I really do because there's just a genuine, I don't know. It's just great. I really do. I, for me, it's always, I want, the, I, want, I want a great team. And whether that's male yeah. or female to get, I mean, I'm, I'm going to think as a leader about balance. That's really yeah. important to me. Um, man, I tell you, like Danielle Strickland has been with us the last few times. She's unbelievable. Christine Kane has been with us a few times, a bunch of times, really. Um, we've got Brene Brown with us in Atlanta this year. And if you Ooh, haven't heard Brene, yeah, this is, she was with us two years ago. And if you haven't heard Brene, you need to, um, she is a game changer when it comes to vulnerability, courage, you know, what it means to be authentic. Um, one of my favorite humans on the planet is Lisa Turkhurst. Yeah. And we've become really good friends over the years. Jenny Allen's a really good friend. I, I, I just, I love it. Charlotte Gamble, who's in the UK. Yeah. Um, Charlotte and Steve are dear friends of mine. And she, man, you talk about somebody who can bring it. Charlotte can bring it. So to me, honestly, you could say the same thing. Okay, what may, like I can list off 50 of each. Yeah, that's the each. next thing on my list. That's the next thing on my list. Go. Okay, I mean. <laughs> who are some men leaders that we maybe aren't listening to that we should be listening to or we aren't reading that we should be reading? That's a good question. That's funny. I, I wish I would have thought of that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did. Weird. Um, well done. Yeah. So let's see. Who who would that be? I I'm just trying to think of like it, you, that's really two tricky questions because I have so many that come to mind. Um, Simon Sinek for me. If you, if I had to pick one writer that just yeah. is a leadership person, it's all the time. That's who I'm going to pick. Um, and a lot of people. So, so I get on Amazon and I go to buy a book by him. Which yep. is the one I should buy today? Uh, leaders eat last, but okay. that's, that's leadership based. It, his, 
his TED talk from years ago on Start With Why, which was his first book before Leaders Eat Last, is, is much more philosophical understanding of how to run an organization. So okay. it's, it's not as much leadership, but it is incredible. Like for what you do, you'd enjoy both. Okay. But I remember reading Leaders Eat Last, and I remember saying, and, and um, I remember saying, if I could write a leadership book, that would be it. And uh, so it's it's fantastic. I mean, he's great. A lot of these young guys that are preaching these days that are amazing communicators, Chad Veach and Judah Smith yeah. and Rich Wilkerson and Chris Durso, Robert Madu, John Gray, all these guys, Levi Lusco. I mean, they're killing it. You know, Man, I, Chad Beach got me going on the old Shout to the Lord album because a couple of weeks ago, did you see him? He, he sang Jesus Lover My Soul on um, on his Instagram story. And I was like, okay, I haven't listened to that album in a long time and I cannot quit it now. I know. I he is one day. of my favorite humans on the planet. He I really want to meet him real bad. I uh, want to be friends with him. He, he seems awesome. So much fun yeah. uh, to be around. And, um, you know, you mentioned Adam Weber, just guys like that who are leading from such humility and and yet... Um, God's just giving them influence. It's a, it's a pretty cool thing. And so, I mean, I could, we could spend the whole time on that, but yeah, those are a few that come to mind. I love it. Who, okay. So like, because of the internet, I think most people are going to know Judah Smith, Chad Veach, who is the guy that comes to mind that you're like, the internet doesn't know him, but man, he is faithful and doing his thing. And I wish people knew him. Well, it's such an interesting thing, Annie, because Catalyst used to cut its teeth on that. Like we right. were, I mean, that's who went, yeah. You would come to hear who is that next voice, who are those speakers, because not every, so nowadays, every single preacher has a podcast, right. and everybody's content from Sundays is out, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. What do you way. think about that? Yeah, do you like that? Do you like it's, that we can see it so Yeah, quick? absolutely, because if you can get good content, I don't care who does it. Like, if it moves yeah. you, if God uses it, great, fantastic. Yeah. We've had to figure out that's not our quote-unquote niche anymore. Now, we're still as engaged uh. in it as ever. But for us to feel like we're going to present somebody you don't know, that's just like, that's non-existent anymore, right? Oh, um, good point. Yeah, just, because, yeah, that's it right. Do, it doesn't happen like that. Now, granted, here's what's crazy. So I, I could get up, it's still at Atlanta, I mentioned Simon Sinek, and 50% of the people wouldn't know who that is. You'll sure. be amazed at how many people don't know who John Maxwell is anymore. Or, how, right. uh, and, or even Andy Stanley, and I don't say that like, a lot of younger leaders, like they're listening to different voices. And so, yeah, they're listening to Judah and John yep. Mark Comer. So, you and, always, yeah. Ha- yeah, John Mark's a great guy. That's another guy I'd probably put up on that list. Yeah. Um, th- these are guys and girls who, you know, are, are moving in some space that other people aren't moving in. And, and so, yeah, I, I gosh, see, my, you're you not going to do it. It's all right. Don't do it. Can you tell that my wheels are spinning <laughs> in terms of there's just a lot? Of people yeah, that no, I, I, I love and that I'm engaged with and I care about. And, you know, guys like Kevin Queen. I mean, let's talk about Kevin. Kevin yeah. has been faithful for 14 years to a church. And he's been, you know, he's got influence and he's been preaching like crazy and he's done an amazing job. And and now God says, okay, well done. Here's some more. Yeah. Here's a new space. I think Kevin will be known more than, than he is now for sure. You know, guys like Clayton King, who's been faithful for 20 years to run his Crossroads Camp and had been a teaching pastor at New Spring, and now he and Brad Cooper are the teaching pastors full time at New Spring Church, and and those are two incredible guys. Um, and Clayton, I mean Clayton's written like fifteen books already, you know. Right. But a lot of people won't know Clayton, and so right. um, yeah, there's I mean we could sit here all day and talk about it. there's plenty, 
And um, so that's an interesting bringing up New Spring and knowing that I go to Crosspoint brings up another question that I want to ask you. That again, we can totally not, not use. It I thought you want. said this was that was fun podcast. So <laughs> like, what? That sounds fun Guess or whatever. What? Like, this, this, this sounds deep. <laughs> Put me to the test, Andy well, Down. Yeah, right. I'm here for you. Here's my question. Like, you know, for people who attend churches, and listen, let me preface by Pete Wilson changed my life. I have so much respect for how he pastored. Other men in leadership positions that are no longer there, I have so much respect for what they did when they did it well. What do you say to people who go to churches that had a strong leader, the strong leader left, was asked to leave, no longer wanted to be there, whatever, and has left their church with someone they don't know? Yeah. In a situation, if you will. Yeah, left their church in a bit of a sitch. Because even like for Crosspoint, I'm through the roof excited and have cried constantly about Kevin Queen being here. The other thousands of people are like, I hope this guy's good. You know, like I, I can't, I can't, I'm an enthusiastic human, but I can't get everybody on the Kevin Queen train just right. by as thrilled as I am. Right, right, right. Well, be, look, leadership you earn at the end of the day. Like uh, we have to be leaders worth following. Like you speak, you know, John Maxwell talks about the lowest level of leadership is positional leadership. You're the leader because of your position. And every good pastor, every good leader understands that they cannot hang their hat on that. Like you might start there, but you have to build and build and build to become a leader worth following, a leader that's investing people, a leader that people want to be around. And so it doesn't matter what pedigree Kevin Queen brings to Crosspoint, Kevin has still got to lean in and lead and pastor well. That's, Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day. So, you know, transition is such an interesting thing. You know, I took over for Brad four years ago and my theory on taking over a transition like that. And I I would say to our team quite often, Hey, here's where we're going. When I say where we're going, I'm not saying that as a reflection of where we've been or what we've been doing. I'm just telling you where we're going. And, um, the biggest thing for me, Annie, was I always wanted to honor the past, but you cannot be crippled by the past. So it's just a little dance that you have to do for a season. And I would always vote to do it for longer than I wanted to season. Uh, Because if you choose to honor, you just, I I don't feel like that ever comes back on you in a negative way. Um, and so, you know, it don't matter what situation you're walking into, you choose to honor it in a way. And sometimes you don't even have to say names or whatever you just you just talk about where we're going and why it matters and how god's been faithful and you share those stories and then at the end of the day behind the doors you you love people to death that's what you do and so you do those things well man you'll deal with these situations and these transitions well but uh if you don't come in new sheriff in town like that's a bad decision you gotta you gotta work your way into earning that respect i remember i had a young leader one time who got promoted about two months in he said man i I just, well, I just want to respect this position deserves. And I said, okay, two things are wrong with that statement. Number one, that's not how we operate. Yeah. Number two, Jesus made it pretty clear that if we're in this thing for respect, we're in it for the wrong reasons. We're in this to serve. Matthew 20 is very clear about that. You've yeah. seen the world wants respect. The world wants the, to lure their power, their position to get the respect, but that, and then he literally says, not so with you. We've come to serve, not to be served. And, um, so if you take that posture, I don't feel like you can lose really. Yeah, I do think you're right. It was funny because Kevin and I on Sunday were talking about church stuff and I asked a question. He said, yeah, let me just take the temperature for a little bit. 
You know, like he's like being real wise about coming in and going like, I have to learn these people. Yeah, I have to learn right. this town. And, and he will. He's I, a patient I'm not leader. the sheriff. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. And you're sitting there going, yeah, but I got ideas, Kevin. I got some ideas for you. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what's been funny, Tyler, is it really has been me saying to the Lord a lot, help me serve him and not lead him. I'm not, do you know what I mean? Not like, um, not like being the leader. I'm not the leader, but I don't want him. I'm not manipulative in my nature. I hope in most situations, it's not like my go-to. I'm a seven. So I'm going to run from pain before I try to change it. But I'm really am making a choice. Like I don't need to tell him everything I know. I need to let him learn. Like the thing I can do is ask him, how can I serve? What do you need from a friend who's in this church? Yes. And then let him figure out what he wants to figure out. And because everything I say is is going to filter through what my experience has been. And that's not what he needs. He needs the Holy Spirit to tell him about our church yeah. and our city. Yeah. But he also needs friends that he can trust. Yeah. And that's who I want to be. Our staff is full of those people which I'm for him, which I'm grateful for. But I'm glad that there's a history person here, too. You know, that changed for me when our buddy Nathan Bedingfield moved here. That changed Nashville for me because I had a history person here. And so as much as I had friends here that I loved and knew, now I had somebody who remembered Town Center Mall and Athens and, you know, like Atlanta stuff that I needed. That So that's who I want to be for him versus being a bossy, bossy Annie, which I can be very easily. What? No. Went right. You How stop could you it. would believe it? You stop um, okay, it right so there. for the people that the, the the Annies that are listening to this who are like are just church attenders and their church is going through a transition, what's the right posture? What's the right thing to do? Like tell me how to not screw this up for Kevin. Yeah, I think and, it's it's one word, Annie. It's grace. I mean okay. look, I mean put yourself in his position. That's a tough position. And the truth of the matter is Kevin's gonna make some mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes when I took this thing over, right? And I tried to honor, I tried to handle it well, but I still made mistakes. But here's the thing about grace. When you're a graceful leader, when you are a life-giving leader, when you are depositing relationally in people's lives, when there's an issue of a mistake or an apology or whatever, the amount of grace is, you're not even making a dent in the net. You're not even really going to take capital away from your relational bank. What you're going to do, potentially, if you apologize correctly, you handle it well, you're going to actually add to it. To me, it's like the number of people that attend, and when they hear the one thing they were hoping he'd say that makes them want to walk out, well, you are literally, like, you're setting yourself up for failure, and you're setting whoever comes in for failure, because you're looking, and and the biggest thing is they're, they're going to look for, like, in this situation, they're going to look for, well, how is he like the past pastor? Yeah. Well, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, it, when you change leaders, a lot of times changing to a different posture, personality, all that stuff is a really good thing. But it takes some grace and it takes some time. So, uh, but you know what? Again, we've known Kevin long enough. I have zero concern. There are people that are going to leave. They're going to leave because he's not Pete and he's not, you know, whoever's you know, been leading and, and teaching the last few years yeah. and whatever. He's not. But I guarantee you give him a few minutes and you'll go, oh, he's not those guys, but he's Kevin and he's awesome. Yeah, So that's right. And this is me being never been on a church staff ever in my life besides working for Wesley. And that was when I was 20 and lived on support, 21. Um, but I just, 
you know, I, I look around at the state of the church and pastors leave all the time. It's part of the deal. Not even like big deal situations, but like they retire. And in the Methodist church, they scoot around every June. Right. And so I just, I'm having, for the first time in my personal life, I'm going like, oh, how do we as church attenders handle these transitions well and set the leader up for success versus yep. going like, well, prove it. Yeah, that's you know. good. It's it's a posture of are my arms crossed and I look going, what do you have for me? Or my palms up going, Lord, help me serve. Yeah. That's a very different position. Yeah. You know. What is your favorite thing about serving church leaders? Like what made you pick this over being over staying at Brownsbridge or, you know, working in at Chick-fil-A or wherever other Atlanta Christians work? <laughs> <laughs> that was good, Annie. It's other, true. <laughs> other Atlanta Christians. Uh, now, I basically own a Chick-fil-A by how much I eat at Chick-fil-A. Thank you. Thank so, you. So um, I would probably I love them. Do I that. do Windshape Camp every oh summer. I'm gosh, a big fan. It's the best. And here's the thing. It goes back to what I said a little while ago. I so believe in the local church. I believe what Bill Heibel said, that it is the hope of the world. Now, everybody's going to say Jesus is the hope of the world. We all agree with you on that. But Jesus said the vehicle with which he's going to deliver the kingdom is through the church, the local church, the big C church. We're in this together. Your church and my church are the church. We're in this together, you know. And so and the, and the hard thing is we are living in a day and age where the, cult, the church itself uh, doesn't always have a good name. It's not being right. handled well. As a matter of fact, we're turning on ourselves as much as anything. Um, and people walking away from faith, and I, I'm convinced, Annie, that is not because of Jesus. They're not walking away because of Jesus. Right. They're walking away because of how we're handling this message and these people. And so um, I really, I mean, I, I can't get more fired up than that about, I mean, I can loudly and I can yell and stuff, but <laughs> in terms of my heart. And I've sat with you at Georgia games, so I know. That's right. That's right. I know. I, I believe so much in the local church. And I believe that leadership changes the game for the local church. And so to be honest, I watch leadership change the game in every environment. It just changes it. When you are around a leader that brings life and brings color and abundance and vibrancy to a monotone organization, you want to be around that person. And so yeah. I've seen I mean, it. that's true in a home, right? That's exactly that's true right. with how families run their homes and how roommates run their homes and I mean, that is, that's across any spot. <laughs> if you bring some color, it changes the place. Yeah, so that's, that, that would be my answer. I just, I can't sit by. I want the church to be better. And I also just believe that my organization here, I want them to, I got 25 people that their, their lives are impacted by how I lead. Not just their faith, but their lives, their families. Are they going home complaining, fussing, frustrated every day? Or are they going home excited to enjoy the evening because work was great? Yeah. That's a very different thing. And, and, and I've always said, and this, is, this sounds a little shallow, I know, but when, when the spouses of my employees like me, I feel like I'm doing a good job. Oh, that's brilliant. Because I'm not the center of their frustration for their spouse. And, and that's a big deal to me or, you know, significant other or whatever, whatever you call it. But, but spouses take it, you know, like I know like in, in my family, when, when something happens to me, it, it probably makes Carrie madder than it makes me. Mad, right. you know, and so right. if I feel like the, their spouse, and I'm not messing with your wife, let me tell you, facts, she'll get you. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but I'm if, staying if, on her good side. If the people on this team, if their spouses or significant others, when they see me, it's not uncomfortable. As a matter of fact, it feels like family. Then I feel like I am doing a good job of leading them. Oh, that's brilliant, Tyler. 
last week I saw Henry Seeley, who's a pastor of a church here called The Belonging with his wife, Alex. And, and we were talking about Kevin and I just said, yeah, can you believe it? You know what he said? He said, of course I can believe it, Annie. God loves the local church. He was like, I never questioned that God would bring a good leader to your church because God doesn't want any church to not have a good leader because he actually doesn't care about Crosspoint or the belonging or blah, 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 blah. He cares about the church. That's his bride. And I'll, I mean, I'm like shocking, like all teary. I'm like, you're right. You're so right. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. So I just thought that was really neat. I thought, yeah, I, and I, I just want to make sure I'm a good part of the local church. Yeah, you are. You know, oh, you are. You're kind. My no, hope, but I can hope. see it. Your love for the church is palpable. So, well, this is a big statement to parents because um, I was raised loving the church. You know, like I, I loved going when I was little and this isn't because I'm an awesome person. I just never haven't gone to church. It just was because I've always loved it. It has not been easy. And you know, I mean, you and I've talked in this last season. I mean, I was, I was there. I was barely there. It pain, pain inside the local church is some of the most intense pain I have ever experienced. I did not know. I did not know how. Because it should be better. That's why. Yeah. Because you expect something different. And honestly, the world expects something different from Christians. And we don't always give them that. And that's that's why this matters so much to me. Yeah. Okay. You have a great surprise for our friends who are listening as well, if they want to come to Catalyst. Yes. My first name is Anthony. It's actually not Tyler. So there's the surprise. Oh, my gosh. Is it really? (laughs) Yeah. You didn't know that? No, your first name is Anthony. That's why have right. we not been calling you Tony our whole time? I know, my dad's lives. Tony. That's why. Uh, I know, that's Tyler, pretty good. I would have called you Tony for 20 yeah, years. You missed a great opportunity. Hence the then. T-bone. Now I see it, but it works for Tyler, too. Yeah, it works either. T- Tippecanoe and Tyler, oh, too. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Um, so here's what we're going to do. So Catalyst Atlanta. Like we're just going to move on from your first yeah. name being yeah, 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 Anthony? Yeah. That's what I do. Oh. Welcome to. I told you this morning. I did 50 <laughs> other things in two hours. Um, right. I just move and shake. But, um, thank you, thank you. We, uh, so Catalyst Atlanta is coming up October 5th and 6th. And if you haven't seen the lineup, to me, it's probably the one I'm the most proud of in the last five years. It's going to be fantastic. We're closing it out with Bill Hybels. Andy's going to interview Bill about courageous leadership. You know, Hillsong Worship's coming from Sydney to be with us. And Brooke Lidgett Wood, um, you know, just you name it. They're going to be here with us. I mean, us. That, that new album of theirs. Oh, it's crazy good. out of here. And then you've Ugh. got um, Johnny Swim's going to be with us. Uh, Brene Brown, like I mentioned, Andy Stanley. Um, Tim Tebow is going to come hang out and talk about how to have courage and when courage looks like steadfastness, being faithful and courageous. Uh, we're going to uh, talk with Jeremy Courtney from Preemptive Love. And, Man, how much do you love Jeremy Courtney? Oh, he's amazing. You talk about a courageous Gosh, I love that guy. believer, you know? So anyway, and so, yet he's like hilarious oh, I know. and like loves to pick on me like we've been siblings our whole lives. That's pretty easy but though, Annie. It's, it's the it's the glitter and the, the nail polish. Those two I things know. alone. <laughs> but it does make stuff fun. Okay. Well, so sure. or that sounds fun. See, I've given your you. podcast sixteen different titles while we've been. Yeah, talking. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm fine. Anyway, so um, here's where it is. Right now, the current rate for an individual is two hundred and sixty nine bucks, which I know sounds a little beefy, but it's an amazing event. You gotta come. Catalystleader.com is where you can find out more about it. But for your for this podcast, we're gonna do $199 all the way till Atlanta. Oh wow. So all you have to do is either go to when you go to the website, if you go to put in a rate code, you're gonna use a rate code fun. F-U-N. Oh, well done. (laughs) See, I'm creative too, kind of. Oh, I love it. And so even in about a month, it's gonna go up to $299. So you're literally gonna save over a hundred bucks a ticket. 
Um, oh, or you can, rad. when you go online, you can call our concierge, they can get you all set up. So, uh, that's what we're going to do. I want to make sure you guys get a bunch of people coming and hanging out with us oh, thanks, and you God. have to yeah, come so it. you can hang out with your own little peeps. I know. Okay. So catalystleader.com. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that I would say is that the times I've come to Catalyst and, and I've just said this, I've never been on a church staff. I have never been a pastor. And I think Catalyst is absolutely, whether you lead a Sunday school class or you're involved with a youth group or, or you're, you're on the swim team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like any place where you're leading and you're in the, and you are a believer, you are taking Christian leadership to that place. And, and truly Tyler, there is no one doing it better than you. I'm ridiculously proud to be your friend. I just absolutely, I say it all the time behind your back. I name drop you like nobody's business. So, um, you, say, okay, you, so you guys know Tony Reagan, right? You know yeah. Tony? <laughs> <laughs> like y'all know T-Bone. T-Bone. Um, oh my gosh. Okay, so here's the last question we always ask. Um, because it's called That Sounds Fun, what sounds fun to you right now? Throw away responsibilities. Like if you could do anything fun right now, don't think about your book. Yep. What would you do? What's the fun thing? Well, golf is always my stress reliever go-to fun time. But I, yeah. I will say this. I just got back from a week in Montana with some other amazing guys, a lot who live in your little town. Yeah. And we just got to fly fish and hang out I was about to say, was Montana. Lance Billio with you? Lance was with me. Oh, gosh, and I think the world of so that guy. So that was one of the most fun things I've done in a long time. But here's yeah. the, at the end of the day, you got to know this, Annie. I think you do. If this organization is not fun, I'm out. If I'm not yep. leading in a place and we're having fun doing it, one of the first things I said to this team is if we spend our year and we do not enjoy the events, we are in the wrong business. We, yeah. they, my team has two jobs the week of events, to serve their guts out and to have a blast doing it. And yeah. so I'm all in on the fun stuff, man. Are you kidding me? Yeah. What's your Enneagram number? I don't know. I think it's probably seven. What? That's what I, I haven't done it yet. And Ian Cron was with us and he like, I know. he gave me the Did looks. he diagnose you as a seven? Uh, I don't even know. I was, I was yeah. fishing. I didn't want to talk. <laughs> That's fair. I know. I got to take fair. it. Cause, but I, I think seven sounds about right. I think you and I are probably pretty similar. Yeah, probably that, pretty similar. Yeah. Some of those ways. Yeah. And, and sometimes Ian, I think it's Ian who has said that if you went back to and looked at your like 19 year old self, that will be truest. And I was like, well, we, me and Tyler at 19 were pretty fun. So. Yeah. We were actually amazingly fun. Okay, Ian. Listen. Yeah. Man, I still remember hearing you, you would change the chance to one of the football chance do you remember this <laughs> and it made me laugh so hard i don't um, remember that it, the cheer is give him a lick give him a lick harder harder or something like that okay and you always and you change it to armoire and i oh my gosh tyler i laughed <laughs> i still do that you said you'd scream armoire are you serious <laughs> yes oh my gosh and i laughed harder i still i'm not kidding you every time i hear the georgia crowd do it i think about you changing those lyrics <laughs> well and i'm at those and games I, and i'm not saying that so that's impressive that you right? remember that oh yeah. my gosh i still I'm remember funnier you still now, go to games? So that's, yeah carrie and i still have season tickets so we get out there oh, with some other awesome. wesley folks mary beth and oh Brent, that's really fun some yeah. of those guys so go oh, dogs that's fun. if i make it back coming to Athens, up. i'll let you know coming I know. up go dogs come on dogs i'm ready for it annie i'm um, proud of you thanks. too i just have to say that you're doing some great stuff and you know, one of the things that I always like to do is, um, you and I, you mentioned this earlier, but people like Tom, um, we've, we're standing on the shoulders of some pretty amazing leaders. And so two things have to happen with that is we want to say thank you to them, but also we got to honor them by, by letting others stand on our shoulders. And the way you do that is pretty, pretty special. So uh, you're doing a great job. Proud of you. Thanks, pal. I'm glad to know you. I hope we keep talking like this for the next 20, 40 
60 years. Good gracious. See, I'm we older than you. Whew. Oh, by like seven minutes. I'll I think be, you're like three years I'll be 100 in yeah, 60 see, years. I like that. If we're not still having a good time and telling people about <laughs> Jesus at 100, we're not doing this life right. That's right. That's right. So, all right. Thanks, bud. See you soon. Man, so much to think about and chew on and so much to, yeah, just like ponder over how we love the local church well. That is what I want to do is love the local church well and be a part of it in a way that honors God and honors my community, honors my pastor. And so I am um, thankful for Tyler's wisdom and his words. I'm real excited about his book. I will read the whole thing, not just (laughs) up to the last few chapters. Oh, please don't tell me if you haven't finished my book, by the way. (laughs) I'm so scared y'all are going to email and text jokes of like, I never finished the end either. That'll be hard for me. So if you need to finish looking for a lovelier, let's all be brave. If you need to get to the end and then tell me, do that. That would be great. (laughs) Just a reminder, if you would like to attend Catalyst in Atlanta, they are being super generous just to our listeners, just to the friends of mine who are here that are listening. And $199 will be the ticket cost for you instead of $269 right now and $299 in a few weeks. Just go to catalystleader.com, use the code fun and you will be able to get that cheaper ticket which is so rad and like we talked about wherever you're leading in your home in your office in your church there is a growth and encouragement and a spot for you at catalyst so i hope to see you there in october if you enjoyed this conversation with tyler i would totally recommend going back and listening to john mark comer that we talked about or adam weber i loved loved both of their books last year, Scott Sauls, who is a local pastor here in Nashville. And last week's with Liz Bahannon, y'all are digging that one so much. And I'm so glad. Isn't she like incredibly special? I know. She's just amazing. So I hope you will go back and listen to some of those. As we kind of hinted at the podcast, next week will be really fun for us as my new pastor, Kevin Queen, will come into the studio with me. We'll sit down and you'll kind of get to hear the story of him leaving Atlanta and moving to be the pastor of Cross Point Church here in Nashville. So if you live in Nashville, it's going to mean a lot to you. If you don't, but you love to hear a miracle story, uh, stick around because it is it is like nothing I've heard. It is something incredible. So I'm excited for y'all to hear it. If you get a chance and can rate and review the podcast, that would be awesome. Making people know that whether they know us or not, that they know they're welcome to hang out with us here. I got a tweet yesterday from someone who said that her friend was talking, they were talking about me at breakfast and they thought, she thought we were friends and come to find out she has listened to the podcast. And I was like, that is exactly right. We are friends. I love it. So if that's you, hi, we are friends. Talk about me at breakfast. As long as you're like polite. Maybe you had runny eggs and you realized that Eddie Koffeltz taught me that that was delicious. And it is. So if you haven't had an over medium egg lately, friends, go for it. If you need to find me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find, though, less on the internet right now. I'm finishing this book than I want to be. I'm Annie F. Downs everywhere. F is in fun or fancy or the Atlanta Falcons, whatever you would like. It is Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places. If you need to email me, Annie at AnnieFDowns.com. And what else do you need to know? Feel that, I feel like that's it. That's me. That's everywhere you need to find me. Hope you are having a great day. The temperature is high to quite high today in Nashville. So I am going to leave the studio, go straight back to my house, sit down and get back to work in the air conditioning. So as much as I told Tyler, he had to think of something fun that doesn't involve a book writing. Today for me, 
there is nothing more fun than getting closer to the end of writing this book. So I am really excited to have that done in the next couple of days. Y'all can pray for me when you think about it, um, when it comes to mind that the right words would come out. The ending has been hard to find. Um, So if you would ask God to show me the ending, that would mean a lot to me. So thank you for that in advance. I hope you are having a great day. Please go out and do something that sounds fun to you as well. And we will see you with Kevin Queen next week.